morning. Good morning. I hope everyone's, uh, I just want to say this, thank you worship team for week after week just ushering in the presence of God. I just want to thank each and every one of you. Uh, thank you, Heather, for leading our team just in the presence of God. I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. Um, how is everyone's Thanksgiving? Good? Leftovers good? Right? That's the real anointing. The main day is cool, but the leftovers is where the blessing's at, amen? Where you just open that fridge, like Tasha and I, we just threw some stuff in the air fryer, and it was like, ooh, ooh, this is almost better than the original day. Um, like I said last week, uh, we are blessed to be in a position as a church to bless our neighbors, and you are our neighbors, so we want to bless you. Does anyone need help paying a medical bill? Yeah? Anyone, maybe you need something, you need help to get a, a, a part on your car fixed. Uh, maybe it's groceries. Email us at helpmeneighbor at pioneerchurch.com. Help me neighbor. Everyone say it. Help me neighbor at pioneerchurch.com. We're in a position to be able to bless our church family as neighbors, whether, whatever it is, whatever it is, if it's a medical bill, if it's to fix a car park, whatever it is, we want to help you out. Um, that's what we've committed to this holiday season. And it's not just us, but I, like I said last week, it's organizations. It's also people that we love and have a relationship with. We want to bless you. Um, other than that, let's, let me pray and get into the word. Holy Spirit, we know that you're in the room. Um, say everything that you need to say. We're listening. I'm going to get out the way. Bless us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Uh, I, have a, I have a little bit of time to cover a lot, but it's okay because the Holy Spirit did what he needed to do in that moment. Uh, I constantly find it's easy to love our neighbors in the beginning and the end of a situation, right? Do you, does anyone ever find that to be a little bit easier? Like when they're just starting in the situation, it's like, oh, abundance of love and you're loving them. Or they come to the end of a situation and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you made it through that season. That's so good. I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm going to help you rebuild. Do you know when the hardest part to love someone is? In the middle. In the middle. It's the hardest. It's the hardest time to love someone. If you want to know what in the middle looks like, look at Kanye West. He's in the middle, y'all. He is in the middle. Like, he is someone that's hard. He's in the middle of it. He's in the middle. Matter of fact, the middle is the least efficient place to love someone. It's in the middle. It's not efficient. The issue is, is that we've been conditioned to believe that problems should be solved in 30 to 45 minutes because that's the average length of a TV show. We've been ruined. Some of us watch Family Matters, right? Anyone? Family Matters, Fresh Prince. Do I got my Fresh Prince people out there? All, all four or five of us? Um, you know what I mean? We've been conditioned to think that everything in life should end on a good note, right? We watch TV shows, and they always find the solution in, in uh, excuse me, 21 minutes because of commercials. And in an hour, they find a solution in 45 minutes. And you're like, what the heck? I wish my life was that way. And, and, and I want to be honest with you guys. That's not real life. Some situations can't be solved in 30 to 45 minutes. The greatest feeling that I get during the holiday season 
is efficiency. Does anyone know what I'm talking about, efficiency? All these companies are making millions and millions of dollars off of efficiency. Order it online and just pick it up in store. You never have to talk to anybody. You know what, Amazon will not only bring it to your door, they'll bring it into your house. Kiss you on the head, good night, mwah. Hey, I opened it up for you and I laid it out, thank you. I'm waiting for the year when Amazon comes into your house and sets up all your kids' toys the night before. That would be amazing. I love efficiency, I love efficiency. What it means to be efficient means performing or functioning in the best possible manner with the least waste of time and effort having and using requisite knowledge, skill, and industry. I love efficiency. If I could bottle up efficiency and sell it, I would be a millionaire. Get out of my way. I wanna be efficient. Why do, we, why do we wanna be efficient? Does anyone know why? Because we exist in this paradox called time, and we as humans have to capitalize on the time that we have, so we have to be efficient. Tasha and I are not efficient because we have three small children. We have three small children. Hear me when I say this, hear me when I say this. Efficiency is great, efficiency is wonderful, but write this down, and I want you to hear me clearly. God is not efficient when it comes to the human paradigm. God is not efficient at all. All of us like to map things and make things efficient. God is not efficient at all. Why? Because he doesn't have to be. When you exist outside of time, you don't have to be efficient. Time is not something that controls you. Some of us, and you're saying, Pastor, what do you mean God is not efficient? If we were to look from where we were to where God got us now, it doesn't look efficient, does it? We've had detours, we've had reroutes, and God, through it all, was able to work with us through it all to get us to where we are today. Some of us would have given up on ourselves because we did not take the efficient route. But thank God for grandmas and grandmoms and moms and dads who didn't give up on us when they should have, for friends and family who kept on praying for us while we were in the middle of it. God is not efficient because he doesn't have to be, except when he entered, it's so funny, like when God, when God entered through the form of Jesus on this earth for 33 years, he even changed time and went from BC to AD, and there's no other God, quote unquote, who could do that. But when he entered time, it had to change because he controls it. It had to change. So for 33 years, we're like, we look at his life and we're like, man, look at all that Jesus did in 33 years. Even him, even Jesus would say it wasn't efficient to the eyes of man, but thank God we serve a God who doesn't work on efficiency. He doesn't look at efficiency and it doesn't bother him. He doesn't see a waste of time. I want to let you know that loving your neighbor is not an efficient thing to do. It's not. Think about it. Loving your neighbor is not efficient. Because if you're with them through it all, if you're with them in the middle, it takes a lot of time, talent, and treasure. It's inefficient to love your neighbor. But I want to tell you, and I want all you saints to hear me, God did not put his spirit in us, his spirit in us to operate in the spirit of efficiency. He didn't put his, his dwelling in us to operate in the spirit of efficiency. He knows that loving someone into the kingdom will take time. It will always take time. 
Kingdom work is not for the worldly efficient. It's not. If you are doing kingdom work and you believe God has called you and you're saying, all right, God, I'm giving you four, 14 days for this person to be saved. It ain't going to happen like that. You didn't get saved in no 14 days. This is not a 30-minute TV show. It takes time for, some, for God to bring someone to himself because we, a lot of us, how many of us get frustrated with our family members who are like, I can't believe you're still going through this. How many times are we going to repeat this chapter? How many times are you going to go back to that guy? How many times are you going to go back to that girl? How many times are you going to keep on making the same stupid investments time and time and time and time again? I thought, come on, that's insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But see, this is where God is not efficient because his mercy and his patience are long-standing. And he goes, I'm going to stay here until you pass a test. I've got nowhere to go. I hold time in the palm of my hands. And so you, you can keep on running the circle time and time and time and time again. I don't grow weary and I don't grow tired. Thank God that he doesn't work on an efficiency clock. We would all be dead in our sin. But God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to enter time and say, I love you so much that I don't care how long it takes, my son's blood dripped from this cross. So even if you get saved in the first five years of your life, or even if you get saved in the last five minutes, I don't care. You will be with me in, in heaven, in paradise forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank God that he's not in a, he doesn't stand up in heaven and go, all right, you got like 10 minutes. You better make this decision to go to church. Don't, don't be laying in your bed. All right. That's not God. Let's turn to John 4. We're going to talk about our neighbor. We're going to talk about our neighbor because we know it's not efficient to love our neighbor. Loving your neighbor takes time because I think sometimes if it was up to us, we would manipulate and contort them to our will and say, all right, I've been coming to church. You've been coming to church for the past four Sundays. It's time you, you get saved. It's time you do the membership class. Come on, what's taking so long, right? Isn't that some of us? What's taking so long for you to love Jesus? Because when you get saved, you're finally going to pay me back the money that you owe me because, you know, that's how conviction works. <laughs> I don't got time like that. Come on. When you finally come to Jesus, you, maybe you'll start treating me better. See, it's in the middle is when we learn to love. It's easy to love someone on, in the beginning. It's easy to love someone at the end. It's easy, to, it's easy, but it's much more difficult to love them in the middle. We're going to turn to John 4 because we're going to see how Jesus loved someone in the middle. Are you guys with me? Say amen. There you go. Ooh, y'all gave me a hearty amen. Belly full of turkey. Amen. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard what he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. That's, that's an interesting thought. It's, it says, they were upset at Jesus for baptizing more, but it wasn't Jesus. It was the disciples. The disciples understood the assignment. But that's another talk for another day. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. 
verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So Judea was southern Israel. Galilee was northern Israel. So he had to go through Samaria. Samaria was in the Can I let y'all know that Jewish people did not go through Samaria? They avoided it like the plague because Samaria was full of half-breeds, half-Jews, half-Gentiles, so they stayed away from it. And they would go around Samaria, which would actually take three more days to get from the, the southern part to the northern part. They would go around them and say, uh-uh, we ain't going through there. Do you know how easy it is to love around your neighbor? Oh, I know, I'm talking to someone today. You love around them. I don't want to go through the middle with you, so I'll just love around you. I'll be there when you need me. If you text me, I'll text you back. If you call me, I may call you back, but I'm a little busy. You know how easy it is to love around your neighbor, to go one mile and just be like, what do you need? I'm here today, but don't call me after today. I'm busy. We like to love around it. See, but Jesus, he, he didn't go around Samaria. He decided to go in the middle. He says, I'm, I'm going to go in the middle of it. I'm going to get all up in the middle of it. Where Jews don't like to go, I'm going to pioneer, plug, and go in the middle of it. Shameless, too. Because the Jews saw Samaria as the least important place to do ministry. And so Jesus, instead of going around, he says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in the middle of it. See, a lot of us have friends and family that we just want to love around them. But Jesus and the way the gospel works is like, no, I didn't call you to love around people. I called you to love through people. I called you to be in the middle of it. But God, it's going to take a lot of time. I know you took a lot of time. But God is going to take a lot of treasure. I know you took a lot of treasure. God is going to take a lot of talent. I know it took a lot of talent to get you here. And so God, with the spirit that's in us, he's saying, are you going to put that out for someone else? You want to know how valuable you are? God gave up all of heaven just to die on a cross. That's how valuable you are. So the little money we've had to spend on earth to, to love our neighbors pales in comparison to what God had to give up. So he knew the assignment. Jesus was on assignment. It says, it's not saying he, he wanted to. He says he had to. Jesus had to get in the middle. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with, with y'all. Some of you guys have walked, have loved around your neighbor and have gone to the left and right without loving them directly, that it's taken you longer to where God has for you because you're not going to get in the middle of it. Why is this taking so long? Why am I still running in the same circle over and over and over again? And God is saying, well, if you would walk someone through their pain, if you would walk with your neighbor through their hurt, if you would walk through their neighbor through their middle, you're going to find that the distance is a lot shorter. But because you want to walk around it and ignore it and skirt around it, it's just going to take you a long time. Are you guys with me? It says, now he had to go through Samaria, verse 6. Jacob's well was there, 
And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The disciples went into town to buy lunch in Samaria, and Jesus is sitting at the well at noon. And this woman comes up, this woman comes up to draw water. Isn't this the most efficient time? Jesus, number one, he's tired and he's at a well, and Jesus don't got no bucket, no rope, no bucket. He is not prepared. Go home, get your rope, get your bucket. And he just sits there at noon. Isn't that inefficient? It's like Jesus almost planned to be inefficient. He sat there with no rope and no bucket, not ready to draw water. But this woman comes up at noon. Let me give you a little backstory. No one draws water at noon. Why? It's the hottest. It, Samaria is like in the desert. It's the hottest part of the day. Like the sun is literally just over your head, just beating down on you with a righteous, angry fury. And she went out to go get water. But look how inefficient Jesus is, is that he's sitting there waiting for her. Why would you go and get water at noon? Surely because there's something you're trying to hide. She was, she was hiding something. No one goes to get water at that time, so she goes by herself. Jesus is meeting her in the middle of her mess. Quite literally. Quite literally. So she goes out there to the well, and I know her thoughts. She's probably like, I'm going to go to this well. No one's going to see me because I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm an outcast. No one's going to come because it's too hot. People avoid me anyways because I got this shame on me. So I'm going to go to this well where no one is. And I'm going to get some water. But look how inefficient Jesus is. He's sitting there with no bucket, with no rope, and he sees her walk up and he goes, Hey, hey, can I get some water? I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? What I love is her response. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Like she had to call it out. Uh, do you know what's going on here? Jews and Samaritans, we don't really talk like that. We don't really get along like that. Like, what do you mean? Like you want water from me? How can you ask me for drink? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who asked you, for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Here's the part that I love. Are you guys listening to me? Are you guys hearing? Track along with me. It says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater than him who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did his sons and livestock. So Jesus, as inefficient as he was, is sitting at this well. She addresses, you're a male, I'm a female. There's a hierarchy in this society. You shouldn't be talking to me. You're, furthermore, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You guys think you're better than us. You, we shouldn't be talking. There's about to be problems. What is going on? And Jesus, and she goes, and he goes, hey, give me something to drink. And if you knew who you were talking to, and then she goes, sir, Sir, 
sir. I love that it puts, sir, you don't got no bucket. You don't got no rope. You came unprepared. Where's your stuff? First of all. And then she goes, second of all, you ain't got no stuff. Second of all, this well is too deep. I just can't stick my hand down here and pull out. This well is too deep. Matter of fact, it's almost empty. And you don't got a rope, and you don't got, you know how your parents used to say, you don't got a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. That's what she's saying, you don't got nothing to pull. See, and I think here we like to think of the physical, but I'd like to think she's talking about herself. You see, Jesus, you have no bucket, no, no rope, and this shame is too deep. This guilt is too deep. This embarrassment is too deep. So much so that I came out here at 12 o'clock in the afternoon to escape everyone else and face and not face anyone else's judgment. And you're going to tell me that you've got living water when this well is empty. How many of us have been there before? Do you know how many of our neighbors has, have told us the same thing? This divorce is too deep. This addiction, this substance abuse is too deep. God could never use me. My well is too dry. If you, knew, if you knew what was going on in me, you would know that there is nothing that can fill me because my shame is too deep. How many of our neighbors are we sitting next to at work, are we going, at, going to school with, are sitting in our cars, and they're saying, friend, God could never use me. If you know, if you knew, mm, let me say this because... If you knew I had an abortion, this shame is too deep. If you knew what my lifestyle was, my embarrassment is too deep. So much so that I keep on going back to this empty well. I keep on going back to the same friends. I keep on going back to the same relationship. I keep on going back to social media because I'm trying to find value in it. And if I could find value in it, maybe, just maybe, Jesus would fill me up. Maybe he'd look at me and be proud of me. But guess what? This well is too deep and it hurts too much. I'm ashamed. I'm broken. And I think there are many times in our life where we are the same way, where we have this shame and this brokenness and we, we're scared. And so what we do is we hide. We hide behind an Instagram post. We hide behind friends. We hide behind, does anyone, anyone hear me right now? Right? I know this to be true. She's talking about herself. She's not, she, yeah, she's talking about the well, but she's really just identifying with herself. She's saying it, it's too dry, it's too deep. My hurt is too deep. Uh, Jesus, if you could pull water, if you can pull, because water is so connected to life in the Bible. Water is connected with life. If you could pull some type of life out of me, I'd like to see it. But Jesus, it looks like you're sitting here and you don't have the traditional needs to pull water out of someone. It doesn't look like you have a rope. It doesn't look like you have a bucket. So what can you pull out of me? What can you pull out of me? It says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Jesus gives a solution. He's like, hey, I know what you're thirsting for. I know what you want. And guess what? You're looking for this physical water. But if you ask me for water, if you ask, I will fill you up. And I want to let you know, loving your neighbor through the middle of it is being able to fill them up and saying, hey, there's it doesn't matter what you're going through. There's still value in you. There's still purpose on you. I don't care what you've been through. I love you and I'm with you and God loves you and he's with you and whatever you need, you can call on me because in the middle is when it's the roughest. You see, Jesus is so inefficient that he decided to meet her in the middle. Are you willing to meet your neighbor in the middle? When they go out to those broken places, when they go out to the same bar, when they go out to the same broken relationships, are you willing to meet them in the middle and say, no, you don't have to go there anymore? There's a Jesus who can fill you up and he can give you purpose and he can put value back on you. All the stuff you thought you lost in your well, God can fill your well back up with new vision, new purpose, new values. You will never be the same anymore. You will never be the same. And Jesus says, if you would ask me for this living water, I will fill you up. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Give me this water you're talking about. I want it. So she shows that she's thirsty and she's no longer talking about the physical water. She's talking about spiritual water. Give me this. You see, you got to understand your neighbors want the water that's in you. And the water that's in you is not of yourself. It's the Holy Spirit. They want what's in you. So much so that when people get around you, they're like, man, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something different. I saw you go through that rough season, and then you came out stronger. There's something different. You got some water in you. You got some depth in you. What is going on? You thirsty? Fill up. Fill up. Some of you guys think God just filled you up for yourself. No, no, no. He filled you up so that you can bring life to someone else. Some of you guys think, oh, God just blessed me. No, no, no. He wants to draw water out of you so that you can share it with your neighbor. Hey, neighbor, I noticed that you're in the middle right now, but don't worry. But, you know, I feel like I'm being too much. No, don't worry. I get filled up to get poured out again. Don't worry. What do you need? Do you need me to pray for you? I'm here, here, and that's a bucket. Hey, do you need me to pay a bill? Here's another bucket of water. Hey, do you need me to stand with you right now? Here's another bucket of water. Do you need me to, do you need me to uh, be there when you need a shoulder to cry on? Here's another bucket. You see, some of us just get filled up and we never pour out. But God didn't fill you up to be a spiritual re reservoir. He filled you up so that you can give buckets of life to your neighbor. Hey, you look like you need some water. No, I don't. You look like it. Right? Some people want to lie and think they got it all together. No. Everyone needs a bucket of water sometime. Everyone needs life poured into them sometime. Why? Because they need to know that they're valued by the king of kings. They need to know that they matter. You know, here's the thing. Sometimes we see people with a well, but we don't want to fill them up because they're like, their well is bigger than ours, but we don't know that their well is empty. Their well is big. Look at it. They got rocks. They got, they got a little thing to sit at the top. or got a bucket. But some of us don't take the time to realize and walk over and be like, oh, you got a big well, but there's nothing in here. There's nothing in here. You know what some of us else, some of us do sometimes, and whether we're Christians or not, we look at them like, ah, well, I hope someone fills it up. I hope you pray more. 
I hope you find Jesus. But what Jesus is saying, he's like, hey, out of the abundance of your well, get a bucket, and even if you can't fill it up, throw some water in there. Give that well purpose again. Because sometimes people just need to see water in their well to say, you know what, I need to get some water in my well. Sometimes people just need to see water begin to fill up in their well, so they're like, you know what, I need to start building my well up again. But you got to put purpose on that well. You got to put purpose in it. Sometimes all it takes, all it takes is one person to believe in them and say, you know what, I'm going to pour some water in here because I just believe that this is going to overflow. I believe it's going to overflow. And sometimes you just need to take another bucket and be like, you know what, I'm going to keep on putting water in this well until you get the purpose of your well. But how can you keep putting water? Aren't you scared yours is going to deplete? Baby, God always fills mine up. It's new every morning. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to keep pouring water in here until you believe that you have life in you. But I'm in the middle. I, don't, I, can't, I know you can't get water, so I'm going to keep putting water in here. You see, those, you are blessed to be a blessing. That's why when you sing the song, fill me up until I overflow. I want to cross over. You got to cross over to their well. That's why you got to get filled up. You got to get filled up. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that Jesus says, Everyone, well, she says, the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. But he told her, go and call your husband and come back. You see, Jesus had to address the sin. Some of our friends, some of our neighbors, they want to grow. They want their well to grow, but they don't want to address that there's a leak in it. They don't want to address that, hey, um, the reason why you're not taking on water is because there's a leak in your thinking. There's a leak in your behavior. There's a leak in your lifestyle. And a lot of Christians and a lot of what we want to do today as a culture is that we want to ignore the leak and just keep on pouring water into it. And we get tired and we get burnt out. But see, but if you really love someone, true love is able to point out the leak and say, baby, you got a leak right there. And you got some bacteria in there. The reason why people are getting sick around you is because you didn't clean your well. I feel like everyone around me is so toxic is because they're drinking poison water from you. I know, I know, I said something. I know, thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of y'all are going to be angry at me, but it's okay. We got to fix your well. See, Jesus didn't let her walk away without first addressing the problem. There's a leak. You got bacteria in there. You got all kinds of dead animal in there. We need to clean that out. That's why he asked, go call your husband. And what does she say? I have no husband. Jesus is so gangster. Look at this. You're right. You're right. I love that. Jesus, you're right. You ain't got no husband. You're right. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. I've never seen Jesus co-sign something so quick. You right, you ain't got no husband. Mm -mm. You living with that dude? Yeah, and that last five husbands? Mm -mm. And the dude you living with now? He had to address it. 
Some of us want to fill the well, but we don't want to address the problems that are going on. We think that we can just ignore it, and if we ignore it and not look at it, it'll go away. Sin doesn't work like that, because if you know a well, the deeper it goes, the darker it gets, and that's where sin grows. So Jesus is like, hey, before we start to fill this well up, before I fill you in abundance, I want to bring to light all the things that are in your well. I want to take out the dead animals. I want to get rid of the bacterial water. I want to fix the leak. But some of you guys are like, no, 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 that's the way I like my well. And he goes, that's why it's broken. I have to change these things. You see, if you love your neighbor through the middle, you have to be, have care and candor with your neighbor care and candor. You have to have both of them. You have to say, I love you enough to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. But some of y'all, I used to be this way too, right? It's like, I just want to tell them the truth and they got to know. No, no, no. It has to be seasons with love. It has to be seasons with love. Some of y'all have good things to say and it's the truth. It's just the way you say it makes someone want to punch you in the mouth. Okay? (laughs) Okay? They just want to bang, hit you right in the throat, even though when they walk away, they know you're right. But it's just the way you said it. It's like, man, I'll slap you in your teeth. You know what I mean? It needs care and candor. You have to say, I love you, and so I'm going to be very transparent, and I'm going to be very honest with you. Here's the reason why. It needs both. You can't have one or the other. Care without candor is dysfunction. I learned this from pastor, a pastor, his name is Doug Garasic. He says, care without candor is dysfunction. Candor without care creates distance. So if you just, I'm just going to tell it like it is all the time, you're going to create distance. You need both. You attract bees with honey. Some of you guys have so many good things to say, and you, God has given you the wisdom of discernment and wisdom. But when it comes out, it sounds like hate. It sounds like discouragement, okay? God has given you those giftings. He wants you to use those gifts. But how he, some of y'all just need to understand, the way he told it to you, you need to tell it to them. God told you in love, you need to tell them in love. God told you with grace and mercy, you need to tell them with grace and mercy. But some of us get ahead of ourselves, and God showers us in love, grace, and mercy, and then we tell them with discouragement, hate, and resentment. We can't do that, family. That's not what God called us to. But look at what he says. He says, yes, what you said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. She still doesn't believe that he's a Messiah. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman. And he wasn't being disrespectful. He's just saying, like, hey, hey, girl. That's like Memphis word. Hey, girl. Hey, man. Hey, man. Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship in spirit and in truth. Well, you will worship the Father on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus tells her, it's not a location that you need to worry about. It's the heart of the worshiper. Don't worry about the location. Don't worry about being in a certain place. It's the heart of the worshiper. 
He's saying, is your well full of my spirit? Is it full of life? Because you're going to keep on pouring out. Don't worry about location. Don't worry about where you need to be. And see, some of us will be like, oh, if I'm a part of this church, if I'm a part of that church. And unfortunately, I found this out when I came here. Like, some churches, like, we treat churches like country clubs. We do, unfortunately. And some of y'all may hate to hear that. And I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm not. There are things I'll be sorry about. I'm not. We treat churches like country clubs. I'm a part of this church, so I have this prestige. I'm a part of that church. And God is like, I don't care what church you go to. Does it have my spirit? Are there true worshipers there? Then that's where you need to be. I don't care what size building they have. You could have a whole building full of thousands of people and zero spirit. Trust me, I've been there. But you could have a small church in downtown Memphis with a little bit of worshipers and a whole lot of spirit. And you could sing it as well over and over again. And I just got a full spirit in there. That's where I want to be. That's where the spirit's going to be. That's what Jesus said. He said, that's where the spirit's going to be with true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, I'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one you're speaking to, I am he. You see, being in the middle is very is inefficient, but that's where Jesus, this is the first time Jesus revealed himself to be Christ. And you have to understand that for each and every one of you, as you walk with your neighbor in life, God is going to reveal himself in the middle through you. But you just got to be able to be inefficient a little bit. Some, some of us have very tight calendars and very tight schedules. I got to be here at this time. I got to be here at this time. Who are my organized people, right? I got to be here at this time. I got a schedule to maintain. Have you ever thought and taken a moment and be like, you know what, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, activate. Now, you know what, Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you my calendar today. I have things I need to be, be at because I need to be responsible. But all the little gaps where I don't have something, I'm going to let you control. And if it's a, the grocery store person, if it's a person at a gas station, whoever I need to talk to about Jesus, you just quicken my heart and I'll talk to them. And if it takes 30 minutes and even if it takes two hours, I want to meet them in the middle. See, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus and they're unchurched or de-churched or whatever category you want to put them in who is just waiting for someone to meet them in the middle. They're there at their well at noon, at the worst times of their life. They're just standing there and they're saying, God, you know how many times all of us have prayed this prayer? God, if you're real, just let someone show up. And they're just waiting for you to be quickened by the Spirit to show up and be inefficient and say, you know what, I'm here. God, show me. Yeah, girl, testify. What I love is that I'm going to end here. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pressed for time. It says that the disciples came back, and they were like, hey, we brought food, and this lady, Jesus, who are you, who are you talking to? Who's that lady you're talking to? All nosy and stuff, you know? And they were like, hey, you need to eat. You need to eat. And he's like, the food that I'm eating, you do not know about. He says, my food is, the will to do, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And guess what? Those fields are still ripe for harvest. It wasn't ripe just at when Jesus said it. Those fields are still ripe. They're still there. 
How do I know sin is still active? People are still broken. They need to know about a Savior who can change their life. The fields are still ripe. That's, that hasn't changed, and that won't change until Jesus comes back. So y'all better get okay with serving and working for the kingdom. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What is he saying right there? It ain't all on you. Kingdom work is teamwork. Kingdom work is obedience to the spirit. That's what kingdom work is. It was never about I have to. You think I, you think I preach on Sundays thinking like, oh, I got to get them saved? I ain't got to do nothing. I just got to preach a gospel. Someone else can come alongside and share the same gospel. And guess what? That may be it. Someone else can, even not on this pulpit, can go out and share the gospel with someone walking on the street. And that was it. It does not, see, y'all got to understand, this salvation thing is not, is not numbers driven in heaven. God doesn't go and be like, oh, look at all those numbers. That's not God. He says when just one, when just one, all of heaven is in an uproar. All the angels saying, yes. Just one came to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Glory, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. You think God is worried about numbers? He's not worried about numbers. He's happy when just Martha, when just Jeremy, when just Tasha, when just, when, when just Terry, when, one person. He's like, ooh, ooh. I believe when one person comes to Jesus, he goes like, like God is in heaven. He's like, oh, there's a new name on my hand. Look at that. Y'all see that new name? And some of us will be like, it's just one name. I know, but I died for that one name. And guess what? They're going to be in heaven with us forever and ever. It's going to be the biggest fish fry you ever seen. <laughs> All right, I'm going to end. I'm sorry for going a little over. It says right here, verse 39, and I want you guys to really focus on this. See, there's power when you meet someone in the middle. When you meet someone in the middle, you're not only changing the trajectory of their life, but it's everyone around them. Because what happens? It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Oof. Jesus went to her well. He addressed all the things that were wrong with it. He pulled them out. He put new life in her. And then she went back and she's just like, listen, let me tell you about Jesus. He put life in me, just getting all these buckets. He told me everything that I did wrong, and he didn't judge me, and he didn't condemn me, but he filled me with new life. And so he, she starts going around and starts filling everyone else's well and saying, hey, there's life in Jesus, and he's going he's to clean it out. He told me everything I did wrong, and she says it right there. He told me everything I ever did, everything. And guess what? I didn't hide it. I didn't put a, uh, I didn't hide my well. He told me everything that I went wrong. So she starts going to everyone else's well and telling them, hey, your well can be full too. They don't have to sit here empty. Your well can be filled. And so what happens? It says, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. So in the three days it took him to walk around, he goes through Samaria in the middle of it. 
And all of these Samaritans start coming to Jesus because he decided to walk in the middle. You see, God has called you to the middle. He didn't call you to walk around it. He didn't call you to walk under it. He didn't call you to fly above it. He said, I want you to walk in the middle of it because when you walk in the middle of it, that's where all the hurting people are. They're in the middle. It says, and because of his words, many more became believers. I love this. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What a powerful statement. They said, we don't, <laughs> we saw your well got full and that's great. And I know you started to throw some water in our well so we started to believe that we could be full again. But we heard it for ourselves. We experienced him for ourselves. Yes, your little bucket of water might have started the, the rain, but his words came and began to flood. And so now this fullness that we're experiencing is not by you, it's by him. And we know that he's the savior of the world. And see, I want to tell you believers today, all it takes is one of us to put some water in a misplaced well to let someone know that God still loves them, that there's still value in them, that there's still a purpose for them, that God truly, truly knows their name. He knows their name. And that every day that they wake up, there's purpose for their well. See, you see what happens to people who are overflowing? They overflow so much that they start filling up other people. This is why it's so important for you to be in the middle. And you got to be prayed up. You got to be fill, filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You got to be filled. Because you never know who you start pouring on. You never know what God fills you up so much that you're just like, man, I'm just, you just start giving people life without you even noticing it. And so much so, you start filling their well that someone comes to them and they're like, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're like, this is the moment. This is it. This is when I turn my life over to God. This is the moment. It may not be you. It may be someone else who comes along who puts another bucket of water. See, we have to understand, family, that we get filled up and overflowed because I may pour a bucket of water in. You start pouring a bucket of water in. She starts pouring a bucket of water in. The church begins to start pouring a bucket of water in. And though they were using the well as a place to kill their sorrows, it now springs up with life. And life more abundant. You see... It wasn't, it, what does it say in Revelation? It was by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You want to see people come to Jesus? It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The reason why those people met Jesus is because they heard her testimony and the Lamb walked amongst them. The question I want to end today is, are you willing to be in the middle with your neighbor? Are you willing to be in the middle? Are you willing to stay in the middle? Because yes, we can walk around them, but it's kingdom work when you're in the middle with them. Do you guys receive that today? 
stand with me. I want to pray. Hey, Nathan, could you play some just light music in the background? With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm just going to pray for all of us. Because I know there are people right in this room who are in the middle. And there are people who need to make a decision who are like the women at the well who don't know Christ at all. And they're like, Father, I need someone to meet me in the middle. So I'm going to pray for all of us right now. That God just meet us where we're at. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for each and every soul that under the sound of my voice, Lord God, whether they're in the middle or not, or they, don't, they know you or not, I pray, Lord God, that you meet us where we are. Lord God, I pray that our heart is tender to when you address the things in our life that need to go. Father, I pray for every believer in here who has been filled up and is overflowing. I pray that they begin to pour out into others. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that this spirit that is so on fire in each and every one of us, Lord God, begin to light someone else on fire, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that our wells are so full that people begin to notice what was empty is now full. Where there was vacancy, there is no more vacancy. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room who believes their water is poison, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that you clean it out. Clean out our wells, Lord God, that we may bring life to others. Lord God, for those who don't know you, don't have a relationship with you, Jesus, meet them at their well, even if it's at noon. Show them what you're, do, what you're doing in their life. Thank you, Lord God, for meeting me at my well and meeting me at my mess. That you would address my sin and that you'd put life in me. And I thank you for each and every one of those. Lord God, I love you and I thank you. And it's your most holy name that I pray and everyone says, Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.